Hello and welcome to Goodnight Moose, where you can tune in for a light morning start, an afternoon nap, or even a nice cozy in for the night with a bit of story time. I'm so glad you're here. Today we're going to continue our chapter book series, The Lost Fairy Tales by Anna James, and today we're going to be reading chapters 20 and 21. Let's settle in, breathe deep, and dive into our story. Chapter 20 It's the Journey, Not the Destination. Where is Jack? What's happened? Tilly said, panicked. Maybe it's disappeared because Jack came through into the new book with us, Oscar suggested. And when the crack vanished, he couldn't get home? A crack that vanished, Marcel repeated. Yes, it was a big old crack in the sky, Oscar said. We went through it, and we think that's why we ended up in the wrong book. You see, you say it was not so bad, but you found yourselves in the wrong book, no, Marcel said. And you ended up here. How did you do that? That is not the way it is supposed to work. We got here through the end papers, Tilly answered without thinking. But that is not how it should go, Colette said, looking intently at Tilly. If a reader goes into the end papers, they could be lost for a long time. How did you get to here? That is what happens to the fictional people, not you. Tilly shrugged and tried to put a convincingly confused look on her face. I don't know, she said. My grandparents said fairy tales have different rules, so isn't it because of that? Perhaps, Colette said thoughtfully. They are strange places, after all, and getting stranger from what we hear. It is not so good to hear that stories are getting lost and there are cracks in the sky. We also saw a character seize up and explode, and then a new version of the same person walked in the door, Oscar said. In a puddle of nothingness, just in the middle of a field, Tilly added. A puddle of what? Marcel repeated. I do not understand this word. I don't know how to explain it better, Tilly said. It was like... just... nothing. A black hole, and Rapunzel said that a prince disappeared into it. Prince Charming, Marcel said. When was this? No, a different prince. We were with Prince Charming, Tilly said. Well, not our Prince Charming, Oscar chimed in. They're all called Prince Charming, aren't they? He is right, Colette said. Many of them are. It is just, we had a lost Prince Charming fall into our end papers last week. We put him back in his right place, but he said that he was just walking and then suddenly he was here. I wonder. Something is not right, Marcel interrupted. Fairy tales were always dangerous, but this is different. We will write down what you have said for our records, and we will make sure that you get home safely. Where does your father live, Oscar? We need to go back to the fairy cabinet first, Oscar said, and give Gretchen this book back, and then we can go home. It isn't far from the bookshop, so we'll be fine from there, thank you. We shall get you a car, Marcel said. Follow me. Marcel talked continuously about the history of the French underlibrary as they left the office and walked along a wide corridor. You will see when we come up higher that we are underneath the old site of the National Library, on Rue de Richelieu, in the center of Paris. We are close to the Louvre Museum, where the Mona Lisa painting lives. In 1996, most of the library's collections were moved to a new building by the river, but we decided to stay here and make the most of some of the vacated space. And so, here we are. 
he pushed open a set of double doors, and they found themselves in a huge domed atrium, not dissimilar to the British Underlibrary Main Hall. Instead of big arches looping from one side of the ceiling to the other, the French equivalent had a series of domes painted in cream with golden decorations and lights at the very apex to create the illusion of windows. The edges of the domes descended to the floor in narrow cream and gold columns that didn't look sturdy enough to hold up such an expanse of ceiling. Wooden spiral staircases curled up the sides of the walls, leading to the highest points of the bookshelves that lined every wall of the vast room. What do you think? Marcel asked them, glowing with pride. It's beautiful, Tilly said. Yes, the most beautiful underlibrary in the whole world, Marcel said, and Tilly couldn't argue. Once they were out on the streets of Paris, Marcel soon managed to flag down a taxi, and Tilly and Oscar slid into the back seat. After a quick word with the driver and some euros passed through the window, Marcel came to the back door and bobbed down into a crouch to speak to them. He will take you back to the bookshop, he said. Thank you so much for helping us, Tilly said. But as Marcel carefully shut the car door, Colette rushed out onto the street, pink-cheeked from running up the stairs. Wait, she said out of breath, and Tilly rolled the window down. I have a gift for you. She passed Tilly a brown paper bag. Do not look now, I will be embarrassed. It is just a very small thing, something that you might find useful if you ever feel as though you are lost and searching for a new path. Marcel looked at her and frowned, but Colette just smiled and patted his arm. Well, Marcel said through the car window, I feel that maybe there is more to your story than you have shared with us today, but I believe and hope that I am right that this is for good reasons. Perhaps do not tell Gretchen what you have told us about the fairy tales, and Matilda, you should ask her about her time at the British Underlibrary and see what she says. Stay safe, Mayami. Tilly and Oscar nodded a little nervously as Marcel knocked gently on the roof of the car and it pulled off, wheels crunching in the snow. It was not a long drive back to the fairy cabinet, and looking at Oscar's watch, they realized that they had only been gone for about 45 minutes of real-world time. I'm not sure I'll ever get used to the way time works in books, Oscar said. And who knows how it works in fairy tales, Tilly added. For all we know, it might have taken negative time being in there, and if we hadn't gone to the underlibrary, we would have come out before we went in. I can't even begin to think about that right now, Oscar said. Anyway, what did Colette give us? Tilly opened up the bag and pulled out a ball of red yarn in a very thin pamphlet titled A History of Libraries. Well, I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't that, Oscar said. Is it a joke? Tilly was bemused and a little disappointed. She said it would help us if we got lost. I don't understand. She flicked through the pamphlet, which was in very small, smudgy type and seemed to be exactly what it said on the front. Book wanderers really do love speaking in riddles, don't they? Oscar said, rolling his eyes. Why can't someone just say something straightforwardly for once? Couldn't Colette have said, Here, Tilly and Oscar, it is a ball of red thread. It may be useful for tying things together or wrapping presents. And I think she's overestimated even your interest in libraries with that booklet. It looks extremely boring. I'll save it for a rainy day, Tilly said. And you know librarians love all that sort of stuff clues and riddles and it's the journey not the destination all those things people say in stories they want us to work it out for ourselves as always oscar said 
Tilly went to put the red thread and the pamphlet in her pocket and realized that it was already full. She pulled out the little cloth bag of breadcrumbs. What's that? Oscar asked. Hansel and Gretel gave it to me, she said, staring at it. When Jack and I were looking for you, we bumped into them in the forest. I always miss the good bits, Oscar complained. Anyway, how did you get it out? I didn't think we could take stuff out of books. I don't think we can, Tilly said, looking in confusion at the bag in her hand. Maybe just a fairy tale thing, Oscar said. Tilly shrugged and didn't reply. Another jigsaw piece that doesn't fit, she thought. Moments later, they pulled up outside the fairy cabinet and found Gretchen and Clara chatting away over cups of coffee, seemingly unconcerned as to where Tilly and Oscar had gotten to. There you are, Gretchen said as they walked in, but she didn't seem worried at all. Where did you guys go in the end? Well, we started in Little Red Riding Hood, Tilly said, trying hard to sound very casual, but we ended up on a bit of a detour. I see, Clara smiled, but there was a question in her eyes. Where have you come from? The French underlibrary, Oscar said, and Gretchen looked bemused. But how? Clara said. Through the end papers, Oscar answered happily, before Tilly dug him in the ribs with her elbow, trying to remind him that they weren't supposed to travel that way. I think we can trust Mammy, he said, blinkered by his excitement over his newfound book-wandering heritage. Trust me about what? Clara said. Nothing, Tilly said, trying to sound nonchalant. It's just that we ended up in a different version of the fairy tales, and so the book chucked us back to the underlibrary. Just a precautionary thing. Like you said, no harm done. But you ended up at the underlibrary via the end papers, Gretchen repeated, looking curiously at Tilly. Yep, do you know fairy tales, Tilly said. Unpredictable. So what did you make of the underlibrary then? Clara asked, letting Tilly move the conversation on. It was beautiful, Tilly said, relieved. Everyone was very friendly and helpful. Were they now? Gretchen said grumpily. They said that you'd say something like that, Oscar said, which made Clara laugh. Why do you dislike the underlibrary so much? Tilly asked. Gretchen sighed. I just can't think of anything worse than being subject to the whims and rules of a huge organization that wants to control and monitor my behavior. I disagree on principle. But we need some rules, right? Tilly said uncertainly. Do we need more rules than what common sense dictates? Gretchen pushed back. Do you think there were underlibraries when people first realized they could book wander? When even was that? Oscar asked. We do not know for certain, Clara said. A long time ago. I believe that people have found themselves inside stories for as long as stories have been told, Gretchen said. But the underlibrary and the librarians, why, that is a much more recent invention. But not all librarians are like that, Tilly said. Both of my grandparents were librarians, and they wouldn't want it to be like that. It's hard to properly know the people we love, Gretchen said. Come now, Clara said to her, a note of chastisement in her voice. What do you even mean by that, Tilly said, feeling a little cross. You said you didn't know them, I know them, and they are not like you're saying. They believe in all the same things as you. Anyway, you're obviously British from your accent, so you are claiming you never met them, that you've never had anything to do with the British underlibrary? My granddad was librarian when you would have found out you were a book wanderer, so how come you don't know him? Tilly, Gretchen said, 
not quite able to meet her eye. There's something I need to tell you. What a surprise, Tilly said under her breath, feeling as though she was skirting around quicksand whenever she was talking to Gretchen. I do know your grandparents, Gretchen said. So you lied, Tilly said shortly. Gretchen, Clara said, you did not tell me. So how did you know them, Tilly said, and why did you keep it a secret? Well, if we're being honest, I used to be best friends with your grandmother. I don't understand why you would lie about that, Tilly said, feeling wrong-footed and deceived. I, too, am interested to know this, Clara said. I wanted to be able to get to know you properly first, Gretchen said, trying to sound breezy. I didn't want you to ask them about me before you'd heard my side of things. That doesn't sound good, Oscar said. Your grandma and I worked together at the British Underlibrary for several years, Gretchen said. You're the woman she worked with on the fairy tales research, Tilly said, the pieces clicking into place in her mind. The one she used to be friends with. Yes, Gretchen said. And see, you've already heard the story. This is why I didn't say anything. I dread to think what they've told you. They've definitely forbid you from coming here. I'm sorry. I panicked when I realized who you were. What happened with you and Elsie? Oscar asked. She didn't even say anything mean about you. We just knew she'd worked on a project in fairy tales with someone, and that you disagreed on what to do with the information you had. Yes, Gretchen said, but give me a minute to get some coffee brewing, and then let's go back to the beginning. Chapter 21. A Book Will Welcome Any Reader I grew up in England, Gretchen said, hands wrapped around a steaming cup of coffee. In the North Yorkshire countryside... I didn't realize I could book wander until I was an adult. I was working in a university library, and I yanked Brutus out of Julius Caesar into the stacks with blood on his hands. I nearly had a heart attack. Thankfully, one of the other librarians was a book wanderer and realized what had happened, and we had a day trip down to the underlibrary where I was offered an apprenticeship and then a job. I loved doing the most dangerous work I could find and so I joined the research department exploring unpredictable and out-of-print books, or books with multiple versions or strange histories. I loved it. You never know what you would be doing or where you would be going from one day to the next. After a few years, I was paired up with Elsie and we clicked immediately. Your grandma is a brilliant woman, Tilly, and the combination of my fearlessness and Elsie's brain meant we made a great team and were given one of the underlibrary's most exciting projects finding out more about fairy tales. But it was pitched to us as a project to help us understand them. Yes, to create some maps that meant book wanderers could explore them safely, but I didn't realize that the bigger picture plan, which we hadn't been told, was to try to work out why fairy tales behave differently with a view to forcing the usual rules on them. Elsie and I spent a good year exploring and mapping and learning about the beautiful wildness of these stories, but unbeknownst to us, everything we were learning was being analyzed and used against the stories. When we found out, we protested but were ignored. They wanted us to go into the stories to try to bind up some of the boundaries to keep all the stories and characters in place. It was the final straw for me, and I quit. But surely Grandma didn't agree with all of that, Tilly said. No, I don't think she did, Gretchen said, but she thought that the way to stop them was to work with them and convince them from inside. That sounds very sensible, Oscar said, earning him a hard stare from Gretchen. It does, he maintained. 
Well, Elsie did what she thought was right, and so did I, Gretchen said, and I believe firmly that everyone should be free to follow their own path. I have no issues with the underlibraries existing. I just don't agree with their insistence on all book wanderers registering with them and on forcing them to be subject to their rules. I made my views clear, but I was happy to simply retreat. And yet, that wasn't good enough for the British underlibrary. They insisted on withdrawing me. Clara gasped. Gretchen, I did not know, she said, putting an affectionate hand on her arm. What does that mean? Oscar asked. Withdrawing is an antiquated process that bars someone from an underlibrary, Gretchen said. I am not permitted to enter the British underlibrary, as I am classed ridiculously as some kind of threat. I'm not sure if you are aware, but no one can take away your ability to book wander, so it means very little, really, as I have no interest in ever going there again. It's symbolic nonsense. I've heard some people talking about binding books to stop people wandering, Tilly said, choosing her words carefully so as to not give too much away, remembering Marcel's warning about Gretchen. What does that mean? Can they do that to you? Books aren't interested in who is reading them, Gretchen said. A book will welcome any reader, any age, any background, any point of view. Books don't care if you can understand every word in them or if you want to skip bits or reread bits. Books welcome everyone who wants to explore them, and thankfully, no one has worked out a way to stop that. Of course, humans meddle, and at some point in book-wandering history, a bothersome librarian realized that books could be bound entirely, and that way, you could stop anyone from book-wandering in them. They can still be read like normal books, but there's no way to get inside. It is a barbaric idea, Clara said. It's not fair, Oscar said, outraged all over again at the thought. It is what I have been trying to show you, Gretchen said. The underlibrary does not care about fair, it cares about power. That's what Grandad said, Tilly remembered. Well, I always thought he wasn't so bad, Gretchen said. When Elsie started going out with him, I did think she could have chosen a lot worse from among the ranks of librarians. Do book wanderers often marry other book wanderers? Tilly asked, curious. Well, no, not always, Gretchen said. But there is a reason book wanderers often fall in love with each other. It is a big thing to share together, or not to share. What about falling in love with fictional characters? Tilly asked quietly, thinking of her mother. Why, yes, Gretchen said without a pause. It would be madness to pretend that doesn't happen. I have had several beautiful romances with fictional characters. I've been taken out to dinner by several iconic heroes and heroines in my time. But were you in love with them? Tilly pushed, knowing that her own mother had been head over heels for Captain Crew inside a little princess. Were you ever tempted to stay with them? Oscar shot her a warning glance. I can't say I was, Gretchen said, and I was too fond of my life here but I believe people should be able to make their own decisions about such things. You have to make peace with either living inside a book forever or knowing you can't really ever build a life with the fictional person you're in love with. The underlibrary is so hung up on just outlawing any romantic relationships, but how is it that different from the friendships we form with fictional characters, really? Yes, but I wouldn't want to go and live in Anne of Green Gables forever, Tilly said, however much I love being friends with Anne. And most people would agree with you, Gretchen said. But don't you think that people should be allowed to make up their own minds? She looked directly at Tilly. And is it right to stop people, 
if they aren't causing any harm to anyone else. I'm... I'm not sure, Tilly said. What if they were leaving behind people who needed them, just hypothetically speaking? Well, I would say, hypothetically, that it is up to every person to decide what they are willing to sacrifice and what is worth making sacrifices for. But whatever they decide, they should not be punished for it by a group of people who claim to have their best interests at heart, but are far more focused on trying to control book wanderers. Do you think the archivists would punish people, Tilly asked, if they're out there somewhere? I think the archivists are there to help, Clara said. They are not a literary police force. So you believe they are real, Tilly said. Yes, I believe they exist, Clara said. I think who they are and what they are for depends on what you are asking them. I think that they are perhaps buried in stories, hiding or being hidden, or just waiting for the right moment, putetra. I would be disappointed after all this time to find they are no more real than these fairy tales. She smiled at Tilly, but was distracted by a huge yawn from Oscar. I think it's time to get you two home, Gretchen said. How is it only the afternoon, Oscar yawned. I need a nap. You two are always welcome at the fairy cabinet, Gretchen said, as they wrapped themselves in coats and hats and scarves and headed back into the gentle snowfall. And Tilly, I am assuming you will tell your grandparents about your adventure. Please remember, we have all simply acted according to the principles we hold to be right and true in situations where there is no clear path. And with that, she closed the shop door and the three of them wandered home, Oscar arm in arm with Clara. Did you have a good morning? Gabriel asked as Tilly and Oscar wearily climbed the stairs and flung off their winter clothes. Uh-huh, Oscar murmured. Very busy. Need to sleep. I thought you just went to a bookshop, Gabriel said, looking confused. Why on earth are you so tired? Maybe the fresh air, Tilly said, trying to be polite. Or the traveling. Bit of jet lag? I'm not sure you get jet lag from London, Gabriel said. But I guess you've had busy days and are still recovering from school finishing. You two have a nap and I'll bring you up some orangina in an hour. Thanks, Dad, Oscar said, dragging his feet upstairs. Merci, Tilly said. I'm sorry. Nothing to apologize for, Gabriel said, watching them head upstairs with a perplexed look on his face. Sleep well. The end. I hope you enjoyed Good Night, Moose, and I can't wait to relax with you again soon. Until then, rest well, have plenty of water, and don't forget to fill your cup of self-care. <laughs>